Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. We are getting back to our series on portraits of people who pray, and today come to 2 Chronicles and the life of Asa, a man with a plan. Today, Pastor Roy will be looking at three credentials to experience God's blessing in Asa's life and our own. We encourage you to open up your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapters 14 and 15 and follow along with Pastor Roy. Today we open our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We continue our series on portraits of people who pray. And today we are looking at the life of Asa, a man with a plan. He had a plan to honor the Lord with his life and he was committed to that plan and we're going to see that uh, in a little bit as I think about our graduates today too I was thinking about how they transitioned starting in the freshman year going all the way up through the senior year and I found this little quote that I thought was kind of cute it said you can tell a freshman by his slap happy look you can tell a sophomore because he carries a comic book You can tell a junior by his debonairness and such. You can tell a senior, but you can't tell him much. (laughs) And I thought how true that is. In another few years, they'll realize how little they know, as all of us have done. Um, Oftentimes, when uh, those of you who are into sports know that uh, sports teams, before they play an opponent, they will send a scout out to get a scouting report. Uh, They will send somebody who will analyze the team. They will come back to their players, and they will tell the players, here's the guy that can shoot. Here's the guy that can't shoot. Here's the guy that can dribble. Here's the guy that can't dribble. Here's the guy that can't shoot free throws. Here's the guy that can't dribble with his left hand. Uh, Here's the weak link. Here's the strong player. we got to stop. And it's all to bring about a victory. And so they give this scouting report for the purpose of bringing about a victory and to find out who are the strong people on the team. I want to remind us this morning that God, too, is on a scouting mission. His scouting mission is to look for men and women who will not bow to the culture, who will not say yes to the culture, but will say yes to Christ, who will stand out in the crowd, not for the purpose of magnifying themselves, but who will stand out for the purpose of magnifying God in their life. God was looking for that in Israel because Israel was under a united monarchy under Saul, David, and Solomon for over a hundred years. And then the kingdom split and part of the reason for that splitting of the kingdom was because Solomon began to get into idolatry. And as he got into idolatry then when he died off and his two sons took the reins Rehoboam took the southern kingdom. Jeroboam took the northern kingdom. Rehoboam, the Bible says, was a wicked king, and so was Jeroboam. They were both wicked before the Lord. And so Israel has three indictments brought against them from God. And we can actually see these right here. And if you want to look in your Bible, I pulled it right out of Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 3 says the first one was they were a long time without the true God. Secondly, 
they were without a priest to teach. Now they have no God, the true God, and they have no priest to teach them about God. So now they have a ignorance about who God is. And that was the reason he set them apart in the first place, was to worship him. And thirdly, if it comes up, it's not advancing there. You might have to hit that, Bill. There it goes, without the law. Talk about total anarchy. They had no law, no true God, without a priest to teach them about God, and they did not have God's law. You talk about immorality. You talk about idolatry. All those things that will ensue when these three things are missing in a culture. We find this happening by and large even in our own culture because more and more pastors are shying away from preaching the full gospel of God's word. And we need to come back to that. It tells us in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 22, Under the king of Rehoboam, Judah did evil in the eyes of the Lord by the sins they had committed. They stirred up his jealous anger more than their fathers had done. They also set up for themselves high places, sacred stones, Asherah poles, over every high hill and under every spreading tree. There were even male shrine prostitutes in the land. It says the people engaged in all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And then it talks about in the north, it talks about Jeroboam, and of course we know that he built two golden calves for the people to worship these false gods. And then Jeroboam passes off the scene and his son Abijah takes the throne in Israel. And it tells us in 1 Kings 15, 3, that Abijah committed all the sins his father had done before him. And listen to the reason. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his forefather had been. This is a key for us to be like Asa, to have a heart for the Lord. Asa had three credentials that enabled him to experience God's blessing in his life. And not only was it a blessing in Asa's life, it spread through the whole kingdom of Judah because he was willing to honor the Lord. What are these three credentials? Let's look at them this morning. The first one is this. Asa had a heart that was fully committed to the Lord. It tells us in 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So God is in the purpose and business of strengthening people's hearts, but the only hearts that are going to get strengthened are those who are fully committed to the Lord. If we wonder why some people live mediocre Christian lives, it's because their heart is not fully committed to God. It's a full commitment to God that allows my heart to be strengthened. God is able to do something in me because now I'm in a place and I put myself in a position where I can receive food from God as I come to church and hear God's word preached. I'm in a position to be around people that can speak truth into my life and invest in me and keep me accountable. I'm in a position to be in places where God will bless me and I stay away from places that are tempting or that will tear down my faith and destroy my faith. And so God is able to strengthen me because of that, my full commitment to the Lord. My heart is blameless. I'm perfect. I'm whole. I'm full at peace. I'm not perfect in the sense of 
perfection, but perfect in the sense of blameless. That's what the Bible talks about, where somebody cannot point an accusing finger. I'm striving to live for the Lord. Tells us in 2 Chronicles 15, 17, although he did not, talking about Asa, remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Now, many of you know the end of the story of Asa's life, and he did get a disease in his feet that many think could have been some type of gout, but that disease he got in his feet, the Bible says he did not seek help from the Lord, and God took him home. But all those years of his reign, he had incredible peace and victory because his heart was committed to the Lord. Look what happened to the people around him when he influenced them by his own godly behavior. The whole town, Judah, entered into a covenant to see the Lord, seek the Lord, I believe it should say, the God of their fathers with all their heart and soul. Fully committed to the Lord. Goes on to say in chapter 15 then, verse 15, all Judah rejoiced about an oath that they took before the Lord. Because they had sworn it wholeheartedly, they sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. All right, a person whose heart is fully committed to the Lord does two things. Number one, they make a decision to give up control of their life to the Lord. This is where a lot of people say, I'm, I'm stopping. <laughs> I am not giving God full control of my life. He may send me to Africa. He may make me do that. He may make you go to South Dakota, like I did from Virginia. It was not on my agenda. It was not in my plan. It was not in my playbook. I had no inkling ever that I would be here. But... When you make a decision to give up control of your life to the Lord, he can take you. And I can tell you the blessing of the Lord is incredible. It's incredible when we follow him and live for him and choose to give up control of our life. In other words, who's in the driver's seat of your life? Who is in control of your life? Who is the one calling the shots? And even more importantly, who are you answerable to? Because all of us are answerable to somebody. Who are we answerable to? The Lord. We are answerable to him. Have we given up control of our lives to the Lord? It reminds me of the guy who answered the doorbell at his house, and he was being interviewed by a stranger, and he, he's looking back into the house, and he says, Honey, who's the head of the house? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Come on now. <laughs> um, who's the head of the house? Who is the one in charge? Who is the one? When it comes down to having a heart fully committed to the Lord, it comes down to a matter of surrender. The Bible tells us in Romans 12:1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? Living sacrifices. And we cannot do that. When an animal was sacrificed on the altar, it was complete and total surrender. In a first century mind, when they heard the word sacrifice, they thought of death. <laughs> Total, complete surrender. That's what God wants in our life. And if we are going to see God move in a great way in our church, in our community, in our culture, he is looking. God is on a scouting mission. 
And he's looking for men and women and boys and girls who will be fully committed to the Lord and give him complete control of our life. I love the words of this little song. First time I ever heard this, I was actually in India. And I heard this song, I said, oh, those words are so beautiful. Beautiful words, but not necessarily easy to live. Let's look at them. Shepherd of my soul, I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. I have made the choice to listen to your voice. Wherever you may lead, I will go. Be it in a quiet pasture or by a gentle stream, the shepherd of my soul is by my side. Should I face a mighty mountain or a valley dark and deep, the shepherd of my soul will be my guide. What a comforting thought to know. And this is trusting in the sovereignty and wisdom of God, that he knows us better than we know ourselves, and he is able to guide us and control us, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, that we die to our plans, our dreams, our aspirations, and say, God, I want your plans. I want your dreams. I want your aspirations for my life more than anything else. What's the second thing a person does whose heart is fully committed to the Lord? They exercise great concern over what God sees in their life. In other words, I am not nearly as concerned about what you see in my life as what God sees. Because what he sees and what you see can be two very different things. Some people put on a mask and they cover up a lot of things inside of them. But I am more concerned about what God sees in my life than any other person. That's a heart that's fully committed to the Lord. Asa was concerned over what God saw in his life. He was concerned that he was right before God. And we need to be reminded that God sees beneath the surface. And we give God an open invitation. What did he say? The psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, search me. I give you permission to sift me to see what's inside. Regularly invite God to do a search in your heart. Look at the verse here. Asa did what was good and right, where? In the eyes of the Lord his God. He was more concerned over what God saw in his life than what other people saw. Boy, if we could ever get to that point, what a, what a life that would be. It goes on to say in 1 Kings 15:5, David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. What's the second one here? A holy hatred towards sin and wickedness. This is the second credential we see in the life of Asa. He had a holy hatred towards sin and wickedness. Let's look at three marks of a sin hater then. If we are to have a holy hatred towards sin and wickedness, what does that look like in our life? Three marks of a sin hater. Number one, a renewed passion to seek the Lord. What did Asa do? He had this renewed passion to seek the Lord in his life. In 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, Seek, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. 
And if we look in first, or Second Chronicles 14, look down in verse 4. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and obey his laws and commands. He would not tell them to do something he was not doing himself. He was willing to seek the Lord in his life. Secondly, there's a zealous spirit for spiritual cleansing. A zealous spirit for spiritual cleansing. Look down in verse 3, 2 Chronicles 14. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles. He was serious about spiritual cleansing in his life. Let me ask you a question. What if somebody wanted to rummage through your DVD collection at home? Just to kind of observe, what, 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 are, what are you watching? What are you taking into your mind and heart? Would you be embarrassed? Would there be anything in there that would be an indictment against your faith and your walk with God? What about the last... 10 movies you've watched in the theater, would you be able to list those and write those down and go look them up and say, was there any profanity in those movies? Was there anything displeasing to the Lord? Was there any pornography in those movies? Was there any... And we start really doing spiritual house cleaning in our lives and saying, there's some things in my life that need to be cut out. Young people, what about your conversation? Older people, what about your conversation? When you get around the coffee cup, is there anything that needs to be cut out of your conversation? Spiritual house cleaning. I remember a number of years ago, I went in a woman's house, and as I went in there, I realized there wasn't even a place for me to sit. She had so much stuff that all the chairs, the couches, the floor, the tables, Everything was filled up with stuff. And there was no place to sit. In fact, she had one chair in the house that was vacant, and that's where she sat. <laughs> and there was one path that led to that chair through the living room, into the family room. There was one path into her bedroom, and everything else was occupied. And I thought, how many people do that? They bring in spiritual junk into their lives, and they get it so full of junk, they, don't, they need a spiritual cleansing for even God to have room to begin to work in your life. We've got to get rid of stuff. Let me challenge you. Would you make a list of some things for spiritual cleansing in your life? A lot of people say, you know, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time. Well, how many hours do you spend on Facebook? Social media, chatting, texting. You start adding up all that time, and you'll have more time than you realize and thought you had. Spiritual cleansing in our life. God is serious. He is a, on a scouting mission to find out what will happen. David Livingston, many of you will remember, was a missionary to Africa and a missionary society wrote to David Livingston and asked him, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, 
We want to know how to send other men to join you. Livingston wrote back, If you have men who will only come if they know where there's a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. (laughs) He's saying, I'm looking for somebody who's committed. That's what God's looking for. Men and women to be committed to him, to his mission. Let me show you a couple pictures of the, uh, well, previous, an Asherah statue or an Asherah pole that he got rid of. These were repulsive idols that they worshipped. And the Bible even tells us that uh, Manasseh, later one of the wicked kings, was, had the audacity to put one of these in the temple. Archaeologists have gone through the land around Israel and Judah, and they have found over 850 terracotta female figurines in Israel and Judah that date back to the 8th and 7th centuries. Over 850. And what did Asa do? He came in and he cleaned house. He did a spiritual cleansing. He cut them down and he got rid of them. And if you even go over to chapter uh, 15, look in verse 16. Here's how serious King Asa was about spiritual cleansing. King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Makkah, for her position from her position as queen mother. Because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole, Asa cut the pole down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. (laughs) He got rid of it. And he also deposed his grandmother. He did not even allow his family to stop him from spiritual cleansing. Maybe some of you are hung up because of family. Don't let family stop you from pursuing God and doing what God wants you to do. He took it very seriously. The Asherah pole was a leftover from the Canaanite fertility goddess. And I can't even describe what it actually looked like. This is actually mild compared to what it actually looked like because, and here's another depiction of some poles where they would carve them out of tree trunks. And he went in and he smashed them and got rid of them. The third thing that we need to see here is a desire to honor God's covenant. It says in chapter 14, again, verse 4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands, coming back to God's covenant, his laws and his commands. It is rather difficult to honor God's covenant if we are not regularly reminded of what that covenant is. The older I get, the better my forgetter gets. <laughs> it just does. How about you? It does. And so we have to be reminded over and over about God's covenant. I know we've had some good laughs at some of our family reunions. And my dad is here, so I have to be careful how I say this. But uh, I can... N- remember sitting around my dad and my uncles and them sharing stories and one uncle would say no it wasn't that way it was this way no it wasn't that way it was this way and so you know the story would get twisted up sometimes because the forgetter 
on somebody's mind didn't work quite right. Or maybe they wanted to intentionally forget because it was rather embarrassing. And maybe the reason that God had the king's responsibility was to write down the law was so he wouldn't forget it. His responsibility was to write down the law by hand so he wouldn't forget God's covenant. We need to be in God's word and remember his covenant. What was the result of what Asa did? Peace. He said there was rest in the land. There was peace. God brought peace as a result of what they did. What is the third credential? A humble dependence on God. Asa is being threatened by an Ethiopian army that is more than twice the size of the army in Judah. There were, they, the historians estimate that there are over a million people in the Ethiopian army, maybe 450,000 in Asa's army. So it looked like the odds were absolutely impossible for them to win. But what does Asa do? Let's look down in chapter 14 again in verse 9. Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots, came as far as Merishah. Asa went out to meet him. They took up battle positions in the valley of Zephathah near Merishah. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. We see this humble dependence on God. He wasn't trying to go in his own strength, his own power, his own wisdom. He was trusting in the wisdom and power and might of God. And that's what God wants to see. God is on a scouting mission. He's looking for men and women who will stand up and be counted and say, God, I'm, my heart is fully committed to you. God, I am serious about spiritual cleansing in my life to get these things out of my life. God, I want a humble dependence upon you. The first thing we see here in this passage is Asa's relationship. Who does he call out to? He says, he calls to the Lord his God. When you and I are under pressure and stress, what comes out? What do we rely on? Hopefully it's the Lord. and not ourselves. The second thing is Asa's request. Asa was not afraid to ask big. He was also willing to acknowledge to God his weakness. He was willing to acknowledge his weakness before the Lord. I'm reminded of the farmer who was paid a visit by one of his city relatives. And before dinner, the farmer bowed his head and said, Grace, his sophisticated relative jeered, This is old-fashioned. Nobody with an education prays at the table anymore. The farmer admitted that the practice was old, and even there were some on his farm who did not pray before their meals. Justified, the relative remarked, So enlightenment has finally reached the farm. 
Who are these wise ones? The farmer replied, my pigs. They don't pray before they eat. <laughs> There's a humble dependence on the Lord. It means turning to God. Look in 2 Chronicles 15, verse 4. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In other words, when you and I truly seek the Lord with all of our heart, God reveals himself to us and strengthens us and gives us what we need. So therefore, a humble dependence on God can unleash the power of God in our lives. You say, how do you know that? It happened here with Asa. What did Asa do? He cries out to the Lord in verse 11. Look at verse 12. Does the power of God unleashed or not? The Lord struck down the Cushites. Before Asa and Judah, the Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell, they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. And then the Bible says they went in and carried off all this plunder. A humble dependence on the Lord unleashes the power of God in our lives. And it will do so in our church as well. And where do we see humble dependence the most is when a man and women get on their knees before a holy God and say, God, we need you. We need you to bring spiritual renewal and restoration to our land. We need you to bring spiritual awakening to Bethesda Church. We need you to bring spiritual awakening to Huron Community. Because we are a sinful, wicked community. We are a wicked, sick nation that needs the Lord more than anything else. And what will unleash the power of God and what will unleash the blessing of God is when men and women get serious before God and not pray out of guilt or just mere obligation, although sometimes we probably do that. <laughs> I haven't been there. But we say, God, change my heart. Change the hearts of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Change our community. By practicing humble dependence on God, I am saying to God, I do not have the wherewithal to do what you want me to do. I realize I have a deficit to accomplish this task, and I ask you to intervene and act on my behalf. And what do we see? Asa's reliance. He's totally dependent on God, and if God doesn't come through, he's done. if we could get to that place. A humble dependence on God will release the blessings of God in our lives. And one of those blessings is grace. Because why? Because in the New Testament, the Bible says God resists the proud, but he does what to the humble? He gives grace to the humble. One of the blessings of God for the humble person is grace. How do we use that grace? In trials, I have grace to overcome. In temptations, I have grace to overcome. I have grace even for people who irritate the socks off of me. And so do you. The grace of God. And I have grace for being a strong witness. It gives me courage and boldness to be the voice 
that I need to be for God. God, help us honor him in our lives. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. As we stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God is on a scouting mission. He is looking for men, women, boys, and girls who will take seriously his word, his commands, his law, his covenant. And like Asa, there are three credentials that we need to experience the blessing of God, not only in our own lives, but in our own community. The first one is a heart fully committed to the Lord. That's why God, when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, he said, you will have no other gods before me. I want all of you. I want you to put your whole self in the offering plate, as it were. Have you, do you have a heart for God? Have you given up complete control of your life to the Lord? You can say yes and no to that because that's something we have to ongoing do on a regular basis. And maybe today you need to renew your commitment. God, I'm giving up control. I'm releasing the reins of my life back to you. Maybe some of you need to do it for the first time, that you are lost and you have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You are in the driver's seat and you are making a mess of things. Are you tired of making a mess? Are you tired of kill, carrying the guilt and baggage of sin in your life? Today, God is calling you to repentance and surrender to trust him with your life. Will you put him in the driver's seat today? Will you give him your life? The Bible says we, our life is like a vapor. It's here for a little while and it vanishes away. If not today, when? When will you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't play roulette with your soul. Give your life to the Lord. If you have questions, I'd be glad to meet with you, to pray with you. Would you please consider that? Is your heart fully committed to the Lord? Do you have a holy hatred towards sin and wickedness? Are you a sin hater? And do you have a humble spirit before the Lord? This is what God is looking for as he's on his scouting missions. The eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to the Lord. Maybe today is a day of spiritual cleansing for you this week. You need to get out a pen and paper and you need to begin to write down, what are the last 10 movies I watched? What are the last conversations I've had? What, are, what DVDs do I have that dishonor the Lord? Because those things kill spiritual passion in our lives. And God can renew that passion in you today. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web 
by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.